Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, who can believe that it's almost Christmas? Isn't that amazing? It's an amazing thought. And uh, because it's a Christmas season, we're in a Christmas-themed series called Deck the Halls. Based upon the carol, deck the halls with? Yeah, it's so good. And we thought as good as that song is, and as much fun as it is to sing, we thought, what, what are some other things that we as a church want to see our halls decked with this Christmas season? And of course, we had Ashley share last week about decking the halls with goodwill. And Dan spoke about decking the halls with hope. I'm sure you could agree with me that decking the halls with goodwill and hope are essential qualities in the Christmas season and dare I say any season in life. Who agrees that the world would be a better place if we were able to have more goodwill and more hope in the world today? So uh, I want to encourage you, uh, if you did not listen to the message, you missed it, or you want to hear it again, get on our podcast or our website. You can have another listen to those things because these are incredible qualities that we as a church need to see modelled over and over and over again. And I get the incredible privilege this morning to talk about another subject. But before I get into that, I'm going to quickly pray. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word today. And I ask and pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint me to share your word and you give us the ability to hear your word, that each and every one one of us will be changed because of your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate that, Jacob. Let's put a hand together for our team today. Do a great job. Today, I want to look at the issue or the subject of generosity. Everyone say generosity. I said, everyone say generosity. We're going to look at taking the halls this Christmas with not only goodwill and hope, but also generosity. Why? Because generosity is a spirit. And it's a spirit that affects our thinking, our decisions and everything about our life. In actual fact, generosity is not measured by the amount given so much as the attitude in which it's given. Would that be fair to say? I mean, you can actually give something and still not be generous. I know many people at Christmas time that look for a bargain, something on special to be able to buy for their family or friends, hoping that what they spend is less than the present that they receive. And people call that winning cha-ching. <laughs> and it may be winning cha-ching, but it ain't being generous. It's possible to give without being generous. See, generosity isn't just about giving. Generosity is about the attitude in which we give. It's a spirit. Everyone say spirit. Generosity is a spirit. And generosity isn't proven by a single act. It's proven by our lifestyle. If you've got a great story when you were really generous, but that story goes way back to 1997, I would say, you know, congratulations, well done, that's amazing. But hey, 1997 was a long time ago. Uh, I think it'd be time to be 
generous again. Generosity is not based upon a single act. It is a lifestyle. That's what we're talking about this morning. And this morning, I want to highlight a few things about generosity and then look at a few things specifically that we can be generous in this Christmas. And so generosity, number one, will make you inwardly wealthy and healthy. This is good news. It'll make you inwardly wealthy and healthy. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, A generous man will prosper He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Who believes that to be true? In other words, if you do good, it feels good. Have you noticed that? Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Crystal and Andre went to Melbourne on Friday and came back on Saturday. They were only there for 24 hours. And the reason they went to Melbourne was to be with Life Church in Melbourne as they packed 4,000 Christmas boxes to give away to their community. And the reason they went over there was really on a recon mission in order to, uh, to embrace something that we would like to do next year in 2009 as a church. Because what they're doing in Melbourne is amazing. And that's not only taking place in Melbourne, but Life Church in New Zealand gave away 21,000 Christmas boxes to their community, which is amazing. But those things don't just happen. They need a well-oiled machine of volunteers and an army of generous people packing the boxes. And uh, I saw Andre this morning having been to Melbourne and I, and I looked at him as he came out the car. He got here a little bit later today, I noticed. And I said, how are you doing, mate? He goes, oh my goodness me, they worked us to the bone. He said, we got off the plane and it was straight to the factory and it was questions and it was answers and it was work and it was stacking boxes and it was taping things up and it was, and they said, and they gave us rest. Do you know how long the rest was? 30 seconds. They would put a clock, time 30 seconds. And then it was back into it, like production. It almost, it almost sounded a little bit like slave labour. It was amazing. And, uh, and as he was telling me all this stuff, I asked him this question afterwards. I said, okay, cool, that's great. Now, how do you feel? And he said, oh man, I feel amazing. It was incredible. I was so inspired. Yes, he was exhausted, but he felt good. Why? Because he'd done good. If, if, if you're in a place where you don't feel good, maybe you came this morning and someone said, how are you going? Oh, that's how people who aren't feeling good sound. It just sounds like... Have you noticed that? And, and the people who ask, you're thinking, oh, I wish I had never asked, you know. <laughs> oh, we're one of those people. And anyway, but no. <laughs> Not feeling good? Hey, here's some good news. If you're not feeling good, you can actually do something about that. You can actually do good in order to feel good. You know, some people, when they don't feel good, they go to the wrong places and do the wrong things. It's no good going to a bar where the blues is on offer, singing, bum, 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 my wife left me, bum, 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 bum. I mean, that is not going to make you happy. Everyone hates me, bum, 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 bum. The dog left me, bum, bum. I mean, just like, it's not going to get you out of your doldrums. But if you start doing good, I promise you this, if you didn't feel good, but you went on the trip with Crystal and Andre, you would come away exhausted, but actually you would start feeling better about yourself. Why? Because generosity will make you inwardly wealthy and healthy. Secondly, generosity transforms the way you see things. Proverbs 22 verse 9 says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed for he gives of his bread to the poor. In other words, a generous spirit gives you the ability to see things differently than others. You know, in this community and in this world and in your life, there are lots of problems. 
Problems are like the poor. You'll always have them with you. Jesus said that. He says, the poor you'll always have with you. He could have said, problems you'll always have with you. But a generous spirit sees problems differently. A generous spirit sees problems as an opportunity to do something about those problems. And again, going back to Crystal and Andre, the reason they went over there is to witness what someone with a generous eye was able to do with the problem in their community. Because at Christmas time, many people go without food and without some of the fun and the festivities that many of us do. That's the problem. But Life Church in Melbourne and in New Zealand saw that problem as an opportunity to bring goodwill and hope through being generous to people. And we see that as an opportunity here in the city of Adelaide. So next year, 2019, we are going to ask an army of volunteers to work themselves silly in order to bring goodwill and hope through our generosity to the city of Adelaide. That's what we're going to do. Because we're just going to see the problems. We have an opportunity to do something about it. I'm so grateful for the team of men and women that go down to the Salisbury train station every Friday night. That came out of a problem. There is a problem. People are homeless. People are hungry. People are without hope uh, in this world. And so there are men and women. We have an army of volunteers who are willingly go down to the Salisbury train station and they cook sausages on barbecues and, and they have interaction with people down there and they offer not only food, but they offer hope to those that would otherwise be hungry and hopeless. A generous eye changes the way you see things. Thirdly, generosity enables you to rule. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 7 says this, the rich rule over the poor, true story, and the ruler is borrower to the servant and lender. In other words, generosity allows you to rule your world through giving. Generosity allows your world, sorry, you to rule your world through giving. In other words, the good news is you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances. You can actually be a victor over your circumstances. I don't care how young you are in the room today. I don't care how old you are in the room today. We all have one thing in common. Things have happened to us. Life happens to us. Have you noticed that? And a lot of the things that happen to us is because of the people in our lives. Every one of us have had things happen to us through people, unpleasant things, things we would rather not have happened to us. But here's the thing, it did. And we can live as victims to the things that happened to us or we can live as victors. And generous people see things differently and as a result have an opportunity to turn things around and place themselves at the head instead of being at the tail. Generosity gives us the opportunity to rule over a circumstance instead of being ruled by that circumstance. That's what generosity always does. When it comes to unforgiveness, for example, unforgiveness will hold you as a victim. But when it comes to us being generous, we can actually forgive. That's what giving's all about. It's about forgiving. When we forgive others, we pull ourselves out of the doldrums. We pull ourselves out of the victim stance and we put ourselves in the victor stance and we can overcome. Because when you live in unforgiveness, it's like drinking poison, expecting someone else to die. But it only ends up hurting you. But when you choose to be the bigger person, when you choose to be the generous person, you actually give forgiveness and it actually sets you free. Are you with me today? Generosity enables us to rule. My desire for each and every one of us is that we might rule in life and rule in circumstances and rule in situations. And fourthly, generosity will bring a good return. 
Generosity will bring a generous return. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You know, reaping and sowing is a biblical principle. In actual fact, it goes beyond the Bible. It's just written into the law of the land. You ask any farmer about their crops, it's going to really depend on what they actually put into the ground. You know, can you imagine a farmer putting a handful of seed in the ground? And then when harvest time comes, the the harvest comes and and he's got this little crop. But next door on the farm next door, he planted a whole heap of seed and he's got a heap of crop. It's really easy for this farmer with a small crop to come up with some conclusions like, God loves him more, nobody loves me. When actually the result of his crop is just really based upon what he sowed, not what God did or didn't do. See, I believe in the law of sowing and reaping. And you don't even have to believe in it for it to be true. See, sowing and reaping is much like gravity. It's a law that's been written into the earth. You don't have to believe in gravity. You don't have to be a Christian for gravity to affect your life. Do you know that? If I walk off this stage, there's only one way I'm going. It's not up. It's not out. It's down. And for all of you young people, you're going to go to Second Valley over the holidays and you're going to stand on the cliff face. When you launch from that cliff face, you're not going up. Well, if you judge it badly and land wrong, you might end up going up in heaven. But anyway, we pray against that. But generally speaking, when you launch off that cliff, you're going down. You're not going out, you're not going up, you're going down. You don't have to be a Christian. I promise you this, Christians and non-Christians will do that and they'll all go in one place because it's a law that's written in the land. And sowing and reaping is a law that's been written into the land. You will reap according to what you sow. Proverbs 11 verse 24 says this, the word, sorry, the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Who wants to get a smaller world? Well, it's real easy, just be stingy. But who wants a bigger world? We'll just be generous. That's what the Bible is saying. No one wants to be a stingy person, so don't be one. Be a generous person and see your world get larger and larger and larger. There's a few thoughts about generosity. But I want to look now about three areas that we can be specifically generous in. We're talking about decking the halls Decorating our lives this Christmas with generosity. Generous in what areas, you ask? Here, number one, let's be generous this Christmas with our words. Everyone say words. <laughs> We're just being very stingy with our words right now. Come on, come on everyone, everyone say words, please. Come on, there we go, there we go. Be generous with our words. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. What the Bible is saying here is this, that words are powerful. In other words, our words create our worlds. We see that in the beginning of time, Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says that God said, let there be, and there was. He said, let there be light, and there was. Let there be grass and there was. Let there be birds and there were. I mean, this is an amazing thing. God, God, God didn't, uh, it wasn't like God got this Ikea pack and had to put it all together. 
If he did, it would have taken longer than seven days to create the earth. It would have taken a lot longer. But he just spoke things into being. And I believe whatever we speak is what we're going to experience. In actual fact, what you say about what God says is more important than what God actually says for you. God can say, I love you. But if you say, no, He doesn't. Then for you, you'll never experience the love of God because your words won't allow you to. Your words have power. God forgives you no matter what you've done. No, you, you don't know what I've done. God could never forgive me of that. And so you'll never live in the forgiveness that's available to you because what you're saying about God's forgiveness, instead of letting God's Word be bigger than your Word. What we say about what God says is really, really important. Words are powerful. Not only are words powerful, but words are also free. So you may say, I don't have much to give this Christmas. I would say this, you do have your words. And I would encourage you as a little bit of homework. Can I give you some homework to do? I think about the teachers that uh, gave our kids at school projects, particularly when they were younger, to be able to take home to mum and dad. And they'd kind of this, like a Christmas themed gift. And they'd spend time preparing it and they'd take it back and present it to mum and dad. And it's always great being a parent, getting something that your kids have made. And you'd look at it and you'd say, wow, that's just, that's just, it's awesome. You're just so creative. You're just incredibly gifted. The whole time just struggling for the gift of interpretation to know what it really is. You're just like, Daddy, I made that because I knew you had a lot of pencils. Yes, it's for the pencils. That's what it is. It's a pencil case. Thank you. I love that. Dad needs that. That's awesome. And so they're the kind of projects that our parents gave, our, the teachers gave our kids to bring back to the parents. But if I can give you some homework to do, it'd be this. I want you to think right now about the people in your world that you love that are closest and nearest and dearest to you. Because they're the ones often that we, we fail to do this with. And then I want you to think about who they are and what they mean to you in your life. And I want you as homework to, to maybe even begin to write some thoughts down about how much they mean to you. Because I want your words this year to be specific, to be forensic, to be well thought out. Not just, I love you. That's great. But can we go a little bit deeper this year? Because I don't know about you, but uh, have you ever received a few compliments in your life, but then you receive one negative thing over your life? And if I was to ask you if that is true for you, which one do you normally remember? See, we normally remember the negative thing over and above the three or four or five good things. Would that be fair to say? The one that sticks is the negative one. And I have a little bit of a theory around that. And it's because I believe that the negative one is usually very specific. And so when our kids were much younger, growing up, and they were going to school for the very first time, I'd ask them this question. And uh, we've got Geordie here. She's in the room today. She can verify this. I would ask them, how was school today? And invariably, like most kids, she would just give me this answer. It's good. And we developed a little mantra in our home saying this, good is not good enough. It's not good enough because it's not specific enough. And the reason I started doing that is because when they had a bad day at school, this is what I noticed. When they had a bad day, they told me all about it. Oh, it sucked today, Dad. The teacher picks on me. She hates me. And then I went outside at lunch and I got punched in the face. And so then I kicked someone in the shin. And then we ended up in the principal's office and we got detention and I had to wait back. And, and I'm there. 
It's like, wow, that's pretty specific. How is school? Good. Like, good's just one word. When it's a sucky day, gee, they let me know how much it sucked and where it sucked and who sucked. I think, can we just turn that around? Can we just start to turn that around? And we created a culture in our home where good's not good enough. Let's be specific. What, what was good about school? And then, then we approached, uh, applied that to church life. And when our kids were in Victory Kids, we'd say, how is Victory Kids? We'd drive home, how is Victory Kids? Do good. Say, kids, I know good's not good enough. <laughs> and so they start with something specific. I say, give me a takeaway. Give me something. So I, I loved it when so-and-so did this. They did this story. It was so funny. And the point of the story was this. So wow, that's amazing. That tells me they got something out of it. But then I said, oh, you know what? The person who, I said, who is the person? I said, why don't you go tell them that? That would really encourage them. And so we created a culture in our home where we wanted to be specific and forensic and very detailed with our encouragement and our praise. Because what comes really naturally is the specific, forensic, detailed nature when it's negative. But if we can turn that around, I think this Christmas really could be a fa-la-la-la-la kind of Christmas. (laughs) Whatever that means if we would actually begin to be kinder and more specific with our words. Why don't we just turn just to someone right next to you right now. Just say something you like about them, just very quickly. Just, just a bit of practice right now. Let's just do that. Just very quickly. Very quickly. Oh, what is that? That's the sound of fa-la-la-la-la. That's what that is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Tis the season to be jolly. Come on. I love it. You know, every time I've ever done that in church over 25 years, I probably pull that little thought out every 12 months. It always ends in laughter. I've I've never had someone in tears. We've never had someone punch someone and walk out. (laughs) Imagine that. Turn the stage so nice. Bang. Never happens. But there's always laughter. There's lots of fa-la-la-la-la. And there really is joy in the house whenever... We do that. Generosity with our words this year. Secondly, be generous with your wealth. Oh. <laughs> See what I did there? Be generous with your wealth. Everyone say wealth. See, this is what I've seen in the Scriptures. Anyone who's helped Jesus was written into his story, no matter how small it was. That woman that gave two pennies is all she had and she'll be forever in the story of Jesus. It's an amazing thing to me. And I believe no matter how small it is, He does the same today. Our generosity writes us into God's unfolding story of love in the earth today. Whether you know this or not, whether you feel like this or not, you are in the top 5% of wealthiest people in the world today. The reason I say that is because if you had a shelter over your head last night, if you had a comfortable bed to sleep in, If you had a meal in the last 24 hours and you came to church clothed today, you are in the top 5% of the world because the largest portion of this world does not have what I've just described, something that we have every day of our lives. We have young children that are going to die prematurely because they don't have food in their stomach to sustain them. That's the reality. And I haven't said that this morning to put a guilt trip on anyone. We should not feel guilty about what we have received but we should feel responsible. 
We should not feel guilty, but we should feel responsible. And so when it comes to giving this year, three areas I'd love us to give and to consider. Firstly, let's keep the order right. Let's give first to God. You know, sometimes we get into the Christmas period, we get into the holiday season, uh, it means we're away, we don't go to church. It's because we don't go to church, we don't give. You know, if you only ever give when you come to church, that means you are paying to go to church. And you should never pay to go to church because church is free. Our giving comes out of a revelation of what He has done for us. And because He has done it for us, I have made an ongoing commitment to give whether I can get to church or not. Because this is part of my understanding that is more blessed to give than to receive. And so that's why we encourage people when it comes to our offerings, we've moved from just old school, just uh, putting envelopes in buckets of which we'll always do. But there are new ways to do it, which actually takes away some of the temptation of what I'm talking about. Kath and I have adopted a new way of giving through our push pay. And that takes a temptation, no matter where I am, it's just automatically taken from my uh, bank account because I don't give based on how I feel. I don't give based on where I am in the world. I give because God first gave to me. And by adopting this new uh, app and this new way of giving, it actually becomes very helpful to us because it takes away the temptation that would otherwise be there because, let's be honest, when money's in your hand, it can burn a hole in your hand very quickly. And so I would say, when we go on holidays this year, be blessed, have a great time. But come on, let's give first to God. Let's give secondly to family and friends. Let's consider our family and friends. Let's, let's be generous this year. And thirdly, I would say this, and, and this is a little project I want to put to all of us who call Victory Home. Can we do a random act of kindness to a complete stranger this year? Maybe just, just one. Give yourself a touch, just one. To give to someone this year that they're not even going to know who you are or you're not going to receive anything in return. Can you imagine if all the people that call Victory Home just did that to just one person? Can we be serious about this? Uh, imagine you're paying for a meal and you just pay for the person behind you. And, and, and what I'd ask is maybe just a little handwritten note saying God loves you. Or, or something just to let them know that God is thinking about them this year. I'm not going to put that on you. I don't have the luxury of following everyone up to see if you've done it. But, but what a thought this year. That we could actually take our generosity to a whole nother level that we could have unprecedented generosity such as never before. Let's truly deck our lives and our homes and complete strangers with generosity this year. Are you with me? And thirdly, you can clap. That was, that was, it was actually clap worthy, I thought. So there we go. And, and number three is be generous with our worship. As a band come up, that'd be fantastic. Be generous with our worship. You see, every person in this planet, Christian or not, worships someone or something. The reason I know that is because we've been created in the image of God to worship Him. And if we don't worship God, we will worship something or someone else. And whatever has been created is up for grabs to be worshipped. You know, in the Bible, you read of a golden calf being worshipped. I don't know if that's our vice in 2018, I don't know if anyone more recently has worshipped a golden calf. Probably not. But I do know that there's a thing that sits in our living room that often gets worshipped, and that's the television. It could be a person. It could be a sporting event. It could be a car. It could be a home. 
all of which are not bad. But if we put those things at the centre of our lives, it has an effect on our lives. See, whatever we worship is what we give pole position to in our lives. And whatever we put first in our lives has the biggest influence in our lives. I want to encourage as we come around this Christmas season that we remember the reason for the season. That in the midst of all the fun and the brewery lights and the Christmas trees and all those things of which I am not against, but I would just ask that we would not put those at the forefront of our thinking, but that we would put Jesus in the primary place this Christmas. You know, I'm reminded of a story of a seven-year-old boy who was asked by his dad what he wanted for his birthday. And what he said was quite profound. He said, Dad, I would love a football to kick around with you. He says, but if you're too busy, then get me a soccer ball that I can kick the ball with my friends. The point is, the kid didn't want a football or a soccer ball. What he really wanted was his dad. And the dad in the story goes on to, to buy the football, realising that it wasn't about the football. It was about spending time with his son. You see, authentic worship is more interested in the Creator other than created things. You see, giving and generosity is at the core of Christianity. Without generosity, we don't have Christianity. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His Son. He gave. One of the most common, well-known verses of Scripture. You see it at many sporting events, John 3.16. You'll even see it in an episode of The Simpsons. It's just everywhere. God so loved the world that He gave. But you know, Jesus so loved the world that He gave His life. It's at the core of Christianity. We can't say yes to Jesus. We can't say yes to following Him without embracing generosity. You know, when Jesus hung upon the cross, not only did He have to endure the pain that He was going through, He had to endure the pain of those that were mocking Him. And on one occasion, it says in Matthew 27, verse 34, those who passed by hurled insults at Him, shaking their heads and saying, this is, this is what I want you to get. It says, you who are going to destroy the temple in three days, uh, so, sorry, destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you truly are the Son of God. You know, if Jesus had listened to those mocking and He had have saved Himself, which He could have done, it would have meant that you and I could not be saved. See, the opposite of generosity is a self-centeredness. It's a self-preservation. And the reason we forget to give or don't want to give is because we're just trying to preserve ourselves. We don't have the money. I can't afford it. It's all about me. And I can't be kind in my words because they hurt me. I can't forgive because they hurt me. 
and we make it all about us and we get into self-preservation. And this self-preservation is what kills genuine New Testament Christianity. I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't listen to the mockers that day, but He refused to save Himself. He refused to persevere, uh, preserve Himself. Because in so doing, He was able to save others, of which that includes us sitting in this room today. I know the temptation is to withdraw when you get hurt. I know the temptation is to put up walls when you get hurt. I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to trust again. I'm never going to step out again. I'm never going to serve again. And sometimes we come to church as a last resort. We find a bit of hope. We put ourselves on a serving team and someone says something and we're shocked because that should never happen in church. And it does. And it will do. Because where people are, there are problems. And then we go back into self-preservation mode, saying we're a Christian, but living anything but a Christian life. And we have an opportunity this Christmas to break free from the self-preservation and embrace the spirit of generosity, which is the spirit that lived in Jesus when He hung up on the cross and said, I will not save myself because I'm here to help others. Generosity is a spirit that is here to serve others and to help others. It's the spirit that we see in Crystal and Andre as they went to Melbourne and worked themselves silly and had a smile on their face because you know what? There's a lot of people this Christmas they're going to have a gift that others would not normally have had because of people like Crystal and Andre and the incredible people of Life Church in Melbourne and New Zealand. And it's at the core of Christianity. And it's this spirit of generosity. Will you stand with me? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 